Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Radio. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Is this Stephanie? Yes. Hi, Dave. How are you? Oh, very well. Very well. Just give me one great, second. We have great. a technical difficulty here. Okay, no worries. Okay. Okay. Good evening, and welcome to Good Blog evening. And tonight with us we have Stephanie McGuire, who is uh, here in New York and a budding opera singer. And uh, good evening, Stephanie. How are you this afternoon? Good evening. I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, it's a pleasure. It's definitely a pleasure. Um, I'm going to start with my opening question, which is basically, who is Stephanie McGuire? <laughs> Stephanie McGuire is a uh, classical singer living in New York, um, and I since I've lived in New York now for about six years and have appeared with New York City Opera, and I just did something with the Boston Pops uh, this past summer, and I've got a solo show coming out um, in December, which is kind of a combination of a classical voice recital and a and a downtown gritty one woman show. Uh so that's that's who Stephanie McGuire is in brief. Okay. And um I know a little about you pertaining to the fact that you haven't always been a classical singer. That's exactly Tell us uh, a little bit about your journey. I, you know, my parents are both scientists. My father is a physicist, and my uh, mother has a PhD in chemical education and is has been a professor of chemistry and specializes in education. And um, so, you know, even though I was on stage when I was a kid and enjoyed it, I also enjoyed science very much. And um, and and was kind of shy. You know, I I liked being on stage, but I also liked being by myself, so I always imagined that uh, that I would go into science, and I majored in biology uh, at MIT, and then I went on to graduate school at the University of Oxford, where I pursued a PhD in um, neuroscience, and uh, it, it wasn't until the middle of that process that I realized that maybe, you know, being an academic scientist was not going to fulfill me at the deepest level, and, and I needed to... Um, Look for a way to to pursue artistry, and uh, so after I finished my PhD, I went to conservatory and um, and did a master's uh, in opera performance. So that's my wow. my journey. <laughs> Talk about opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I feel that way. I feel I felt a big culture shock moving uh-huh. from science into music. 
But there's also a big connection. You know, when I tell that to a lot of people, they're not surprised because there's like a connection between uh, math and music. There are a lot of sort of physicist violinists at MIT. But I have to say um, that it, it, it did feel like opposite ends of the spectrum um, to me, certainly. You know, among scientists, I'm, I'm a little bit extroverted. But among artists, I'm I'm certainly not. <laughs> so okay. um, it was a big it was a big shift for me. All right, well, I can definitely see a correlation. I mean, even Einstein played violin. Mm. So, um, mm. Yeah, so there is that correlation there. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned culture shock. Um, can we speak a little bit more about that? I'm like, sorry. Can how? You speak about- Oh, go ahead. I said you mentioned culture shock in the sense yes. of the switch from science mm-hmm, to musician mm-hmm. or from scientist to musician. Mm-hmm. Um, can we speak a little bit more about that? Um, sure, sure. Uh, you know, I found academia to be very, um, you know, intellect-based. You know, people are the worst thing you can do is is um, be wrong, you know, or say something that's incorrect. So everybody is, you know, really uh, in their heads, and there's not too much concern about feelings. Everything is on a very intellectual level. And you know, I have been in academia for all of my life, and that's basically, you know, what I knew. And um, you know, when I got to conservatory the thing that I would hear so often was, oh, you're thinking too much, don't think so much, you know, just do it. And I would think, well, what what, what could that possibly mean? <laughs> what do you mean, hmm. don't think so much? <laughs> um, and so, you know, the the world of artists and, and performers is one that's very much of um, feelings and emotions. And, and, of course, the best artists are, are extremely smart. Um, so it's not really about you know, that one population is smarter than the other. It's just where the emphasis is. You know, is it on thinking or is it on feeling? And um, so, you know, it took me a little while to sort of make that um, make that transition and, okay. and understand that. All right. I think I understand it as well. And um, are your plans to be musician full-time or are you planning to work within both worlds. Well, I do I do sort of. I mean, I don't work as a scientist anymore, but I do tutor. I tutor um chemistry and uh sometimes biology and uh SAT prep math, ACT. So, I sort of have a a foot in education. Um and yes, you know, the dream is would be to go from singing job to singing job uh, and, and make money that way. I also teach voice um, and and uh, teach, sometimes I tutor, you know, music history or music theory, um, things like that. So, yes, the dream is to, to perform full-time, but I also, um, you know, I think maybe 2% of artists do that, even, you know, people with wonderful, singers with wonderful regional careers, everybody has a has a side business. I knew a bassoonist with a software business, you know, mm-hmm. one of the most, um, you know, one of the workingest <laughs> methods I know has a, a business, um, a side business, coaching singers uh, mm-hmm. about the, the business of singing. Uh, another 
working Metro I know has a side business developing websites. So, um, you know, I'm very happy to have a, a foot in education, um, and particularly, you know, the sciences and, and math uh, for for as long as I need to. Okay. All right. But in terms of, you know, Uh doing research of the kind that I did when I was in graduate school, um, you know, I'm not that great at doing more than one thing at a time. Um, And so if I were to pursue research, it would take all of my focus and all of my concentration. You know, I would want to be in the laboratory, you know, all the time the way I like Uh to be in my scores all the time now. Um, and so that I know there are people who um, who manage to do both, but uh, you know I'm <laughs> such a kind of obsessive person that um, I, I never really saw that uh, as a as a possibility. Because if, if when I'm working on a project, I'm pretty much single-mindedly focused on that project. Hmm. All right. Well, I think that's actually the most effective way to uh, produce <laughs> results. Um, so I definitely can agree with that as well. <laughs> so that brings us to switching from scientist to now musician. How was that experience in the sense of getting a foothold in the musician genre and the music genre? Um, you have an upcoming show, as was mentioned, in the beginning of December, and we'll <laughs> get to that a little bit later in the program, but um, I can imagine someone with your background from a scientist coming into the field of singer can be somewhat daunting to other musicians, let's put it that way, or even composers or producers, etc. How How has that experience been? Um, it's, I mean, that's, that's interesting. I, I, I don't think that people are particularly intimidated by me. Um, but, you know, when I, so this is sort of how it happened. I decided probably in year two, two or three of my PhD that I, I wanted to try to pursue singing seriously. And so, you know, I had taken four years of piano lessons when I was a kid, and I had taken some voice lessons. And immediately I um, I got a teacher, I got a piano teacher, because I knew I would need piano skills. And I started um, sort of brushing up on my um, theory and sight singing skills because I, w- I knew I would need that, and uh, also languages. I took a lot of French in um, high school and, and college and a little bit of German, but I knew I would need um, more German and more Italian. Um, and then I, you know, I auditioned, and I went to conservatory, and conservatory was great. I went to the Longe Conservatory in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I was in the opera department there. And what that program really gave me uh, was a chance to be on stage a lot, which was great because I hadn't been on stage um, a lot in, in a long time. And so there was just the, um, you know, getting acquainted with um performance anxiety and and uh and how i I deal with that um but I think you know uh getting to know my colleagues and you know coaches and uh directors and teachers i you know there was 
a sense of um, getting to know a new species, mm-hmm. um, and it, because the 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 language that that scientists speak in and the language that artists speak in uh, can be um, very very different, and so you know I had I, I sort of zeroed in on a couple of people at conservatory who sort of like. Um, were a little bit on the intellectual side themselves, um, mm-hmm. who sort of helped me translate uh, and and make that transition. And then after conservatory, what I did was I applied to a bunch of young artist programs. And um, I don't know if you know a singer named Martina Arroyo. Uh, she's yeah. a very um, yes, she um, you know one of the, the most wonderful international spinto sopranos you know ever to have lived. And she has dedicated her um, post-performing life to the training and development of young singers. And um, she does a summer program in New York. And I applied for this program, and, and Martina took me on. And so it was really wow. at that program I got to do um, Berta in the Barber of Seville, Flora in La Cariata, Verdi, um, and Marcellina in the Marriage of Figaro that summer with her program. Um, I got to sing with the orchestra and um, the uh, the costumes and the sets, you know, the costumes in particular were the same ones that the Met uses. And uh, it was a, just a really wonderful example. And so I met um, a lot of coaches there. I had worked with some coaches in, in Boston uh, where I went to conservatory as well. And so that, that was sort of my uh, entree into the, business of the business, sort of meeting conductors. Martina had master classes from agents, so you really sort of learned what they're looking for. Um, and, you know, just preparing for the, the whole audition process because, you know, of course, a life as a performer is, is a life of, of auditioning and, and hearing no most of the time. Um, and so, you know, that's sort of how I got my start in in terms of learning what the business is like, which is completely different than the the preparation of craft. Craft is like one planet and getting a job is like another planet. Um and so that's really where where I began to learn those skills. And then I would say, you know, the the one of the turning points for me was when I um auditioned for uh, New York City Opera Chorus and um, got a job uh, singing in the chorus of Margaret Garner, which is the opera based on Toni Morrison's Beloved that Richard Daniel Poor wrote with a libretto by Toni Morrison. And um, that was a great opportunity because I, I went there and I also got to sing chorus in another show, um, a Mascagni opera called um, uh, Rustic Chivalry, Cavalleria Rusticana. Um, and that was awesome. Uh, because I got to work with um, wonderful singers, and I also got to cover a small role. I got to understudy a small role, so that was um, uh, exciting uh, as well. So, and and uh, the chorus master there, his name is Gary Lido, um, who's a, a wonderful conductor and a wonderful human being. Really, um, sort of took me under his wing a little bit, and uh, and so I learned a ton from him. Wow, see that what I think is important for our listeners to hear. Um, I do business consulting as one of the things I do outside of the uh, radio show. Mm-hmm. And um, I have many people come to me who 
want to switch careers or who have switched careers, mm. and they've done absolutely no preparation. Mm. And then they wonder why things are not going <laughs> according to plan. You know, and as you just described, there is a lot of preparation that has to go into the idea of doing something and then actually achieving that idea of doing it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So um so it's great that you expounded on, on that particular part of the post. That's just one part, as you said. There's the mm. craft and building the skills necessary for actually performing that craft. And then mm. there's the actual work that goes behind it. So uh exactly. yeah, so that's something I think definitely our listeners need to hear because I get that question time and time again. Why isn't it working? And then I would mm. ask, well, okay, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? Mm-hmm. No, mm. I haven't. I just thought I could just go out and do it. And um, unfortunately, no, there's there's a whole other side to it. Mm. <laughs> wow. That's it. The journey of, what is it? The journey of 10,000 miles starts with a single step and Exactly. A million other steps in it. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yep. 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 So I see. Yes, you you did the education. You networked. You took the lessons, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and now you're at the point of doing your show. And yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, the, the, I'm very excited about the show. Um, I'm working with a little bit of background. I um, auditioned a few years ago for a new um, sort of musical theater opera hybrid show called uh, Ellen Craft, A New American Opera, which is about Ellen Craft, who was a slave who had, she was a, a light-skinned woman who passed as a white man to sort of gain her freedom. Um, And so a a wonderful artist named Sherry Boone, uh, along with a composer named Sean Jeremy Palmer, made this story into an opera. And uh, there was a reading of this opera, I think in, I want to say 2009, maybe 2010. Um, And the woman who directed the show, her name is Pamela Woodard, uh, a Yale School of Drama graduate and a and a wonderful director and I just enjoyed working with uh Tamela so much. You know, I had never worked with a um a black woman as a director before and uh you know, that's not the only reason obviously that um that I got along well with Tamela. I think we have a somewhat similar artistic sensibility. Um but it was just so wonderful working with her and so you know, as a singer, you have um, a teacher who works on your technique. You have a musical coach who works with you on things like dynamics and, um, you know, how to observe the composer's musical markings, diction details. And then you have a dramatic coach, someone who works with you on making your performance compelling um, as an actor. And so I asked Pamela if she would do some um, acting coaching with me, some dramatic coaching with me, and she did. And I enjoyed that work with her. And I had always wanted to uh, do a, a one a solo show, um, just because I wanted a vehicle to be able to to perform for people. And 
there were things that I wanted to say about my experiences um, in the industry. And so I got a grant from the Queen's Council on the Arts. They're just fantastic there um, to make the show. And then I wrote a draft of the show, and I, I presented it to Tamala. And she said, you know, this is all very um, sort of neat and clean and prettily written, but let's see if we can't mess it up a little bit. <laughs> let's see if we can make it a little wow. more raw and a little more honest. And of course, you know, I was, <laughs> I was there's a part of me, you know, the the sort of scientific part that likes everything and at right angles and straight lines, you know, that was aghast. And then the, you know, the artist part of me that um, is is attracted to everything I don't understand and everything that scares me was, you know, completely excited. And so I just, um, I took all the doors down and just started to write with no kind of goal in mind. I just started to sort of free write. And I, I brought her that material, not thinking it was going to be in the show. And um, I just kept writing and writing and writing. And eventually that very uncensored, very stream of consciousness material came to um, form the basis of the of the spoken material in the show. And, uh, and that's why I decided to call it Meso Laid Bear, because it really is um, my sort of inner thoughts um, that I never imagined I would be sharing with anybody. Um, but I, I love the idea of the show because it is, um, it, it's, you know, classical music. It is recital music. Um, it is staged a little bit, but it's not like it's sort of halfway between opera and musical theater. No, it's, this is recital music. Um, there's a broad range of composers. You've got Purcell, Handel, Strauss, uh, Margaret Bonds, who was a, uh, an African-American composer working in the um, 50s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Mm-hmm. She's a wonderful composer. Tanya Leon, a uh, Cuban-American composer who's writing now. Um, wonderful, wonderful composer. I love her music. Um, Ravel, uh, Gluck. So, you know, there's all sorts of nationalities of, of composers from all different periods. Um, it's a you know, legitimate classical repertoire, but packaged in um, a, an extremely 21st century way uh, very accessible. Um, there is some explicit language in it because it is it is very raw, um, and just sort of, you know, I, I just love that it it represents, I think, the 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 excitement of what it is to perform these uh, older, more classical forms of music in the 21st century, and and what it is like for an artist. To, you know, the, the whole point of, of performing is to reveal, is to be in the moment, is to share what's going on with you in, in that millisecond. That's why people come mm-hmm. to the theater, is to feel real things. And so w- w- what is it like to to find that in music that was written 300 years ago by people, you know, whom I have no other cultural connection to? Um, and so this uh, show because the, the thoughts are so personal uh, is a way to 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 make that bridge and and also make it explicit for the audience you know so that maybe when somebody comes to see this show and they go to the opera they'll know oh okay this even though this woman is wearing you know an 18th century gown and singing an Italian music that was composed 200 years ago this is just a flesh and blood person just like me. Wow. Well, 
with all that was said, I am definitely uh, going to check out this show. And I will point out it's only for one night. Definitely. And it's at the uh, LaGuardia Performing Arts Center. Mm-hmm. The Little exactly. Theater, which is located on 3110 Thompson Avenue, Long Island City, New York. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add at this time pertaining? Yeah, the show uh, is in Long Island City. You can get there on the 7 train, um, the E, the G, or the R to Queens Plaza, or the 7 to 33rd and Rawson. And it's a very quick trip from the subway um, to get there. If you go to LaGuardiaPerformingArts.org, you can buy tickets um, and also uh, find more detailed directions uh, as well. And the um, the number to the box office is 718-482-5151. And you can call there Monday through Friday, 10 to 4, or uh, you can order tickets online. Oh, excellent. Um, one last thing. Uh, I know you are actually from the South, originally. Uh, yes. Yes, I've spent a lot of time there. Okay. And um, is that part of the influence or the subject matter of um, this particular opera? Yeah, it's interesting. I think in maybe in a roundabout way, you know, growing up in the South, um, and I have this, I have Southern uh, conservative, not politically conservative, of course, but, you know, pretty socially conservative um, parents. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I always felt a little bit um, constrained by that. I remember, like, mm-hmm. when we would go uh, take Christmas vacations and we would go see my grandparents, I would just be kind of mad that I had to wear a dress and stockings and my, my patent leather shoes. Um, so I think the South is part of the show in uh, that there's a lot of um, my personal conflict in it. And as, as a human being, I have a, there's, I have a huge inner conflict of, of uh, wanting to uh, be appropriate and, and polite and an example and, you know, Southern hospitality hmm. and also having this mm-hmm. need to kind of like open a can of red paint and sort of, you know, make graffiti everywhere. So um, I think in that way, in that okay. way, uh, okay. the South is part of the I mean, influence. That's, that's an interesting way to put it, but reality <laughs> is that's, that's the nature of art. That's the nature of being an artist. Artists have always been the vanguard of putting it out mm. there, basically. Mm. So exactly. um, it's Interesting that you've now followed through with this route to um, to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. that has always been festering, let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Exactly. And go out and be yourself. Exactly. So, wow. Well, on that note, we'll uh, close the program. And uh, it has definitely been a pleasure speaking with you. It's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome. And as I said, this is Blog Talk Radio with Dave Romeo, and today our guest, excuse me, Stephanie McGuire. Well, thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Dave. It's been brilliant. And you have a good evening. You too. Thanks so much. All righty. Ciao. Bye-bye.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.